Monday. We're going to be honest. We've now recorded four episodes in a row. I think we're a little tired, but I think we've gotten better as we've gone on. Um, My name is Paige Boner and this is the It's Hard Podcast. Yes, that's really my last name. Jack will make fun of me. (laughs) And Jack's here, my fiance, and we are doing This is the final part of our four-part series of February relationship series, serving you the content, doing something different. Next week, we go back to regular programming. Get excited. Happy February. Next week, also, as a reminder, March 6th is, uh, I think it's next week. Honestly, don't even know. But March 6th is the second mental health, monthly mental health check-in. Sign up on Eventbrite. Love to see you there. And it's going to be a bright event. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> today we're talking about drumroll, please. Communication. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Oh, okay. gosh, I feel like we've been doing that a lot lately either. It's either I'm talking too loud or I'm not <laughs> listening to what she's saying. Usually he's not listening. <laughs> what? Actually, no, you talk so loud all the time. And then you talk on <sighs> these mics and you like whisper and it's so weird. Because I'm nervous. Oh, okay. So again, reminder, we're not experts. We're not here to give you advice. We're not here to fix your problems. Don't, don't, don't trust us that much. But we're here to talk about the messiness and the things that we're in the middle of in hopes that it'll help you and feel less alone and maybe give you a little bit of insight onto things. I just had a craving for candy. Yeah, you've been having a lot of those. I know. Okay. We're, we're going to dinner after this. We're so excited. Yes, thank God. Where are we where are we starting off? What do you mean? With this episode. Oh, um, I don't want to ask you a question. Is that okay? Do it. Fire away. Okay. What what do you find to be effective communication? in a relationship I think blunt honest concise word like not super long statements uh statements that come off gentle so the individuals going to be less uh less defensive about it but also just in general effective communication happens when you intentionally reach out to your partner and you let them know that you care, you are ready to do what they want to do if they plan an event, and uh, you're just supportive. That was wildly all over the place. <laughs> yes, but it's okay. Um I think that communication styles are really important and to understand your own first, understand your own communication style. So Jack says blunt. That's because like he's, he's fairly blunt or not necessarily blunt, but you're just kind of like forthright and very good at saying exactly what's on your mind. Right. Um, Sometimes it comes off like you miss a couple words and just confusing as shit, or it's just like so direct that it's like a lot for people. But I'm kind of similar in that sense. I'm very frank. Um, she also thinks more about what people want 
than I do. Yeah. However, I think that it's important to understand your own communication style and again, ask for what you need. So for myself, like I'm, I'm fairly frank. I also don't think before I speak a lot of times and Jack does a lot better at thinking before he speaks. Um, and so I like to just be told right away, like what you're thinking, because that's how I operate. But I need to also understand that's not how everyone always operates. Right. So it's like a give and take of your different communication styles and how you operate in that sense. Well said. I also think that you hold someone to higher weight with what they say. If they're going to do something, they're going to be somewhere at a certain time. It's really important to you that, that they, if they decide to pick that specific time or they just, if they decide to tell you a certain time or it's going to be done today, that that's important to you. And you get frustrated if that does not happen. Mm-hmm. Other people are like, eh, okay, that's all right. I just, I, I know about myself that I'm very, honest and I believe in honesty. And if you tell me something, I'm going to think you're being honest until I have a reason to believe you're not. So if you say something or you say you're going to do something, you're going to be somewhere, you're going to whatever, like I expect you to follow through because I would hope that if you're saying that it's actually true because I, I'm not going to say something unless it's true. Yeah. You have a point there. You also don't have a lot of flexibility with that too. No, I'm not very go with the flow as we <laughs> learned in the first episode of this. Um, and I kind of wish that everyone was like you and then they, they held weight in that way aspect because mm-hmm. it is important. And you also would like to think that like sometimes you, that affects how you feel about a person too. And Absolutely. you want, and you, you want to feel well about the people you care about or you hope to. And, uh, Sometimes you don't. (laughs) Patience is what communication takes. It's, you know, Jack does this thing sometimes where he sits and he thinks about what he's going to say before he says it. And I do the exact opposite, right? Like I said, like I just, my, my brain goes thought mouth. There's no in between like thought, say thought, say thought, say, and I don't know how to do life any other way, but Jack has asked me before in the past, like, can you say that in a nicer way? I don't know if I can, but I can damn well try to do it as much as possible. Is it going to happen every time? Absolutely not. Because there is just something wired in my brain that is so different. And sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying until it's out of my mouth. It's fair. What do you think your communication style is like personally? Do you try to be more diplomatic in your presentation? Like, do you, are you afraid of what you're going to say? Like, why do you think you take that second to pause so long before you say something as he does it right now? And I'm trying to fill the silence because I'm uncomfortable with silence. Wow. I was (laughs) just doing it right now. Uh, I think my inner, I think I have two different natures. There's a more primal inner nature that wants to say exactly what I want, like what I think. And it's kind of for you, like you stand by your first thought most of the time. For me, my first thought is my thought, but I don't necessarily always stand by it. 
So like, I want to reassure myself that I'm happy with saying that thought. I'm happy and I can stand by what I'm going to say because not every time I do, mm-hmm. right? So I, I instinctively have a first thought. I don't always trust my first thought. And a lot of times I revise it and that's where, and that, and that's where I take my pause. I also think about a little bit of like how that, how that's going to result to me. Is that going to end up me being slapped? Is that going to be, end up in me being, (laughs) I don't slap you. (laughs) Let's just be clear there. I apologize. I was using a dramatic, uh, dramatic, uh, (laughs) results, but is it going to end up me saying something that I wouldn't want to say? So I just am more careful with my words. I just don't trust my first thought. That's fair. Cause I believe in that. Like, I believe that your, your thoughts are not always you, right? Like your thought, you are not defined by your thoughts. And so if you are always speaking on just that first thought, but you feel like that doesn't fully represent you, you don't want to say that because you're aware that you're separate from your thoughts, which is a very elevated self emotion or it's self-intelligent thing or emotionally intelligent thing to have. I'm elevated. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> um, also with communication, I think being really clear is important. Just so delivering it in a kind way. Yeah. Like, I think we said this maybe in a, I don't know. I'm all the episodes are blurring together at this point, but like your partner can't read your mind. Now, like we're not at that point in human creation where that is possible. It's just not. And if you keep thinking your partner's going to be able to read your mind, you're wrong. You need to ask for what you need because at the end of the day, the only person who can advocate for yourself is you and you're responsible for your own happiness. So if you need something from your partner, you're going to have to ask for it. And if they're not giving it to you or they're not willing to adjust to give that to you, then you need to reevaluate the relationship that you're having with that person. Because part of partnership is compromising and learning from another person and also doing things that are good for you and good for them. And with communication, that is the most important part of a relationship. And if you can't meet in the middle in that, and you can't deliver something that your partner sees as important, then you might not be able to be in partnership with that person. It's a sad fact, but it's true. Hard truths. Hard truths. It's hard. And communication is really hard. And I think I find it really intimidating and vulnerable to be in a state where you have to communicate how you feel. And this can, you know, of course, relate to friendships as well. However, it's the only form of, you know, whatever intention, relationship, whatever you want to say, like it is the most important form of showing someone you love them and you care about them, even if it's something that's hard. Like saying to someone like this upset me, like that's a form of love because you're giving that person a chance to, you know, explain or, or better understand or learn from you. And at the end of the day, none of these things will happen without some sort of communication. There's a practice that we've done uh, that I kind of like. It's a lot of times uh, if we'll come to a certain disagreement or it's going to get escalated. It's, it's not it's not a good conversation we'll take some time to reflect, right? Mm-hmm. We'll separate ourselves uh, and we might even spend the night away from each other for certain things. And we'll really think about what went down. We'll think about our actions, what we said, the scenario, and we'll just really reflect on it. And if you're starting to lose your, your cool in a scenario or you're going to say something 
that you really don't want to say and it's going to lean towards ugly. It's really good to separate yourself from that situation. Mm-hmm. Ask the other person and you're so good at it too. It's just like, just to be like, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore right now. Like let's just, let's take, let's take a break. Yeah. And then you go spend that time on your own and reflect and come back. A lot of times it's going to lead to apologies. I'm very guilty of this sometimes escalating the situation and not really being aware of the other person's feelings or perspective on it and coming back and just admitting to my, my, my faults. And then also being able to say a few things and another page being receptive to it. Right. Jack's really good at admitting his faults and apologizing. I'm still working on that. (laughs) (laughs) I am more guilty of it than she is. Okay. No. Um, Also, I just been touching on that. I believe that when alcohol is involved at any capacity, things do not get resolved. So just wait till the morning. Like don't fucking fight when you're drunk. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. Yeah. No communication. Nothing you say in that moment is going to hold weight and, or it might hold weight in a bad way, but it's just, it's not a time to have a conversation. It's just not, you need to be in your clear mind and everyone deserves that. I want to go back to, to like that asking for what you need and, this is something we deal with a lot with my anxiety and my past trauma. And this came up too with, you know, that situation of, you know, kind of taking a step back and and really trying to breathe with each other to kind of figure out. And for me, I had to figure out like, why does this specific situation trigger me so much and why, and how can we make this work so that we can still have moments like this without needing to be always fighting in these, these situations. Right. Um, and then when it comes to like anxiety and panic attacks, like how can Jack show up for me in order to help me? Because my mom's been doing it for so long that Jack also needs to be able to be that person for me. I can't just always go to my mom with that. Um, and I really reflected after we kind of had conversations around that I did some journaling and I realized that, Something I need during those moments of just pure anxiety is just to be given permission, permission to feel and permission to, you know, say the things I'm going to say, like to be told it's okay to feel the things you're feeling and to cry and to let it out. And it might not make sense right now, but it is completely okay because I get anxious and then I get insecure and it all happens at once. You're kind of springing this on me a little bit. I know I haven't told you this yet. No. Uh, one thing I've noticed, and I'd like you to see if you can expound on this a little bit, is you're you're you were you're you receptive. How was the right wording for it? You're different when it's it's coming from me compared to your mom. How I receive things. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes you don't receive things well from me in the moment, especially in panic attacks and stuff. And I think it's because you see me kind of as an, as an equal uh, or maybe whatever the case is, less of an equal in those scenarios because I don't have so much of an experience. But when it comes from your mom or somebody else and someone who you're not spending every day with your partner, you're more receptive to what they have to say and you're less critical. I, I don't think it's anyone else really other than my mom, because my mom has seen me in those situations so much. And she, I think it's a trust factor of like, she's been there since literally day one, obviously, but like, she's seen me in these situations since this started with my dad and then through my relationship in college and all this stuff. And I just think it's a trust of, she knows and she 
I think for you and I, sometimes I get in my head of like, oh, he's going to think I'm crazy or, you know, this kind of fear-based reaction. Whereas with my mom, I know she'll never leave me. Like it's a sense of fear of abandonment. Like my mom is never going to like up and be like, I can't do this. You're not my daughter anymore. What? She's not going to say you're not my daughter. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of hard to wrap my like anxious brain around of like how much of this am I okay with, with trusting into somebody else. And it's something I'm going to have to practice, um, and be aware of what I need. So I can ask you for that because there's, there's no rule book on all this. And when you date somebody or marry somebody with past trauma and with anxiety, it's a different beast than your everyday relationship. Okay. That helps me out. It means I have to gain your trust more. You have my trust. It's just, God, it's such a different thing. Like it's so. Cause when in those situations, like I try my best, I try not to pr- right. be a problem solver. And I get to that. Always. I usually get to that. And a lot of times I end up saying something that is just then used against me and turned against me. Hmm. It's, I think it's a both and like, there's things you need to work on in those situations. There's things I need to work on in those situations. Like this isn't all my fault. And it's, it's not, you know, me being unable to, or that I'm turning things on you or something like, that's not what I'm trying to do at all. I think it's just that like, you don't fully know exactly what I need in those moments yet. And so you're not able to deliver that to me. And then it just makes me more upset because you do things that are actually opposite of what I need. And then that's because I haven't figured out or communicated to you what I need. And then it just makes me more upset. And yeah, it's just not good. No, it's not good. And a lot of times I, I guess, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And it usually always works out well too. Somehow like with, with areas and I have a lot to go, a lot to grow to go there, a lot to be better at serving you. Uh, and a lot, just a lot of room improvement, room for improvement. Yeah. I think it's just a process in and of itself, especially when you're dealing with also past trauma, that's relationship-based trauma. It's just a, it's a beast that can't be tamed overnight or in one particular situation. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, and anxiety in general just is such a, it's when you don't struggle with it to the capacity that I do with panic attacks, I think sometimes you think that it's something you can just like get over. And it's, it's a literal situation of, of lack of control and your body is so you're so out of your body that unless you've been through it yourself, you, you can't fully understand it. And you've had panic attacks before. And those are the times where like that empath side that we touched on with like your sickness, right? Like when you're sick, how can I tap into, oh, I remember what it felt like to be like that. And what would I want in this situation? So like, even in the moment of me panicking, like thinking about that time, you had a panic attack on the drive, you know, to or from Iowa. Yeah. Like, what did you need in that moment? Someone to be there. And just tell you that it's okay. And you're not crazy. Yeah, that's powerful. So empath. I don't think I've gotten that. I haven't gotten that aspect of like just telling you that you're not crazy in those moments. 
Yeah. I haven't been and then like you talked about the permission. I haven't done that either. Yeah. But that's all learning process of like what we're trying to learn too. And I think that, you know, the, you're not crazy or just like, not even just saying that. I mean, if I say I'm, am I crazy? I'm crazy. You know, you're not crazy. And it's, it's just the, the whole matter of like, this is okay. And there is nothing to be fixed here. Like, this is just you and you're, you know, reminding myself of where I am. And the fact that like, you know, cause I think sometimes you have that tendency to just fix, 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 fix. And like, how can we push you through this as quickly as possible? And it's like, sometimes it's just not like that. Like it's going to, it might be a two day thing of me just being in a funk and that's okay. Like, I don't need you to fix it. And I'm guilty of that too. I always want to fix things. I always want to just push people through their feelings as quickly as possible because you think that's what people want. But a lot of times people just want to sit in the way they feel because it feels better to do that until it becomes unhealthy. Right. But like let people feel and that's, it's not going to get fixed until they feel all of them at the same time. Yep. I don't have much more to say about it. Are you done? I think I'm done. Yeah. Tired. Yeah, I'm tired. Okay. We're going to go eat dinner now. Did you have fun? I did have fun. This is harder than, uh, than people probably think it is just talking the intentional, hoping to say the right things, hoping to touch on the right topics. I think we've done it for a couple hours now straight. Uh, applaud you and what you do consistently. Uh, you're very good at it. Thank you. It is hard. It is hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Back to your regular scheduled programming. You don't have to listen to Jack anymore. <laughs> okay, love you guys. Bye.